Learning how to preach can be really scary. Very few people are excited by the idea of standing before a big crowd of people with all eyes on them, waiting for them to deliver a 30 minute or longer talk. I mean, public speaking was always on the top list of my greatest fears, just below death, spiders, and talking to girls, okay? It's just not something that really comes naturally to most of us. I, in fact, I even almost didn't become a pastor because I was so afraid of preaching. So where do you even start? Well, after a decade of preaching experience, studying preaching, teaching pastors about preaching, and writing a few books on the subject, I am convinced that all great preaching has three phases. Now, phase one is the preparation. That's the writing of the sermon. Phase two is presentation. That's the actual preaching of the sermon when you deliver it to your audience. And phase three is evaluation. That's improving for your next sermon, evaluating your previous sermon and working to get better for the next one. Now, I'll be breaking this down into a series of three different videos, so stay tuned for all of those. But in this one, we're gonna start with phase one, preparation. This is writing the sermon. So the first phase to preach a sermon is to prepare the message. Everybody knows that, right? You can't preach if you haven't prepared. Sure, you might be able to wing a sermon or two. I've known some people to do that. I've tried it once or twice. Didn't go very well, but that is, it's not sustainable. And it will never be your best work if you're just winging your messages. You've got to prepare. Now for me, there are seven steps for good sermon prep. I call this my seven step sermon prep. And you can actually download my seven step sermon prep checklist at propreacher.com. I'll have a link in the description for you if you would like to check it out. It's something I actually use to remind myself to not skip any of these steps as well. So let's go over those. Step number one is pray. See, prayer is the way that we tap into the power of God, the source of power for our sermons. Think about this. Do you want to preach a message backed by the power of God? Do you want the Holy Spirit to show up and change lives when you're preaching? Well, you better pray. Like, don't forget about that. You might be thinking to me right now, like, duh, Brandon, of course. But did you actually do it? How many times have you sat down to write a message and you forget to go to God first in prayer? So don't ever skip this step. Get on your knees before God. Beg him for inspiration. Pray before you sit down and you stare at that blinking cursor on your computer screen, okay? Pray before you ever crack open your Bible. Pray before you ever put pen to the page and just don't stop there. Pray throughout the whole process. And however it is that you do it, beg God to show up. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Ask for direction and guidance for your message. Ask God to reveal to you what he wants to say. Because let's be honest, if he doesn't show up in your message, it doesn't matter what you say. You need God's help. Now, step two is study. Good preaching begins with the Bible. It's the foundation of every good sermon. And so a great preacher pulls all of the ideas for the sermon out of scripture. Okay, out of the message. Think of it as if you're excavating a section of the Bible. You start with a passage of scripture and you dig and you dig until you find all the treasure that passage contains. All of your illustrations, all your topics, all your titles, all of your creative ideas need to flow out of what the Bible already says. Okay, that's so important. You pick the text you're going to preach in this step. You read it over and over to make sure you've read it more than just once or twice. So you really 
know it. You've soaked it up. And, and make sure you're reading at least a chapter before or a chapter afterwards so you really understand the proper context of your passage. I mean, how many times do preachers take a text out of the context and they and they use it and twist it and, and they misinterpret scripture? Make sure you're keeping it the way that God has intended it to be. So write down all your observations while you're doing this, any questions that you have, and then after you've done your own study, that's when you can break out commentaries and other Bible study tools. Now me, I personally use and highly recommend Logos Bible software. I've got a link in the description here with a discount for you if you want to use that or get that. It's one way you help support my work. So thank you for everybody who's gone through me to do that. Logos is just a really great powerful tool that'll help you study the Bible a whole lot faster. It's like having thousands of books or an entire uh, seminary library in your pocket. Uh, it's just fantastic. Love it. Use it every single day. But here's the deal. However you study, your goal before you ever write a word of your sermon is to become an expert on the text that you're preaching. This is going to make writing the sermon easier and it's going to guard you against preaching anything that the Bible does not say. The Bible has to be a foundation of our messages, okay? It should underlie everything that we say and do. It's not just something we throw in to make our self-help talk a sermon. The Bible is the word of God. It molds and it shapes human hearts in supernatural ways that no other book in human history ever has or ever will. Now, step three is focus. You find that one idea that God wants your people to hear from his word, and then you hit it with everything that you've got. So what's that one thing based on the passage of scripture that you have that your listeners need to remember when you are done preaching? To get to that big idea now, that's the tricky part. What I like to do is I summarize the passage, then refine it as best as I can into a single clear and memorable sentence. Focusing on that one big idea from the text is going to keep your sermon from rambling about a dozen different topics, right? You could take a passage of scripture and talk about a number of different things, but find your focus. Great preaching stays laser focused on a single big idea from the Bible. Now we're moving to step four, illustrate. Now here comes the flavor and the creativity to your sermon preparation. Gather stories, find some videos or music or pictures or props or quotes or any other creative ideas that might fit in with your message. Collect more than you need, okay? Because the best illustrations in that pile will rise to the top. A good illustration complements the sermon. It provides clarity, it inspires action, or it brings the message to life. A bad illustration clashes with your sermon. It's like an eyesore that just confuses, it distracts your audience, or it lessens the impact of the message. Sometimes an illustration is just bad because you've used just too many of them. So use them sparingly and use them wisely. The key here is just knowing your audience. When you know who your audience is, you'll know which illustration will connect with your people the best. Step five is to outline. So you take your text, you take your scripture, you take all the notes that you've created in your studying, you take that big idea that you've drawn out of the text and all the illustrations that you've gathered, and this is where you piece it all together into a full outline or a sermon manuscript, if that's your style. Now think of this like a puzzle. Each element that you've assembled and collected and gathered is a single piece that you get to move around and you need to find where it fits best. A clear outline is essential to a clear message. So however you structure your sermon, like all stories, every sermon's got a beginning, it's got a middle, and it's got an end. The beginning, it needs to grab the people's attention. 
it needs to pique their interest. The middle needs to then hold their interest and then resolve the problem you've brought up or the questions that you have asked or answer the topic that you have brought up with the Bible. And the end resolves that story or the message in a memorable way. So generally, you want to introduce the problem in the introduction, reveal the solution of the Bible in the middle, and then drive home that big idea from the Bible at the end of your message. Step six is to edit. Although you may feel like you're finished, editing here is crucial. Don't skip this step. I guarantee that there are problems in your message that you've overlooked. There are going to be sections that you wrote that they looked good at the time, but upon further inspection, after you've walked away for a little bit maybe, you realize they just don't fit. There's going to be illustrations that you use that you thought were good, but you realize they're too long, they're unnecessary even. And there's going to be plenty of typos that if you're like me, are going to drive you crazy. (laughs) Spelling mistakes, all sorts of things like that. I'm a perfectionist. It drives me nuts when I have those in my manuscript, even though no one else really looks at it but me. So walk away for a bit, get a fresh perspective. And then what you do is take a pen and you just mark up your message. I like to print mine out physically and do this. You can do it on a computer as well, however you do it. But cut anything that doesn't fit. Kill whatever strays from that big idea. This is a good time to even share your message with a trusted advisor or two to get their input and feedback as well. You're going to be amazed at some of the insights that another set of eyes could bring to your message if you do this. So move things around, fix mistakes, refine your sermon until it is just right. Editing is going to make your sermon clearer, sharper, shorter, more memorable, and all around better. And it's even part of the process as you are internalizing your message, learning what it is that you're going to say, getting that that message uh, absorbed into your brain so you're ready to go and preach it. As you're editing, you're going over your sermon and learning it even better. All right, once that is all done, you move on to the final step. Step seven, practice. Practicing is amazing because it lets you fix the problems before you make them in front of other people. Now, many pastors are tempted to skip this step. They're they're tempted to skip practicing or rehearsing their message because it takes time and it can get repetitive. It can get boring, but don't get lazy here, okay? Practicing your sermon is one of the biggest difference makers between being an average preacher and a great one. So you internalize and you rehearse your message over and over again. You read your script out loud if you've written a manuscript. You practice with your notes if you're preaching from notes, or you practice then without notes, which is one of some of the things that I like to try to do. Make changes as you need to as you're going over in practicing. You'll see some more mistakes. You'll do a little bit more editing. Don't stop, though, until you're comfortable with the material. The better you know your message, the more confident you're going to be when you stand up and deliver it. Now, remember, every time you're practicing, you're preaching, you're not just becoming a better preacher for that sermon. You're also becoming a better preacher for every future sermon that you preach. Now, practice isn't going to make you perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect sermon, but practice will definitely make you better. And if you want to learn more about the seven steps of sermon prep, I go much deeper in my book, Preaching Nuts and Bolts, and more so in my course, The Best Preaching Year. So that's it for phase one, the preparation part of preaching. Now stay tuned for the next video on phase two, delivery.